1: about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
2: Welcome back to the Heroes of HP12, the podcast that's all about the greatest football club in the land, Wickham Wanderers. I'm Michael Kenny, and I'm joined by Chairboys super fans Dan Clark, Damien Farrar-Hockley, Jack Howe and from the Bucksery Press, James Richings. Coming up, we'll review last weekend's setback against fellow promotion contenders Barnsley, look ahead to this weekend's trip to Charlton and discuss a major issue that's pivotal to the future success of our beloved club. We kick off with this past weekend's action as the Blues welcomed high-flying Barnsley to Adams Park, hoping for a repeat of the excellent 3-0 win in August's reverse fixture. For much of the game, that looked to be on the cards as Bloomfield's Boyds dominated, the visitors looking a shadow of a side on a 10-game unbeaten run. But football, as we know, can be a cruel game and the chair boys were left to rue their many missed opportunities as Man City loanee Slobodan Tedic snatched the win and the points for the visitors just five minutes from time. Dan, a difficult defeat to take on the day. um, But for me and hopefully everyone here, there were plenty of positives in that performance. Uh, What was your biggest takeaway from the game?
3: It's rare for me to be buoyed by a 1-0 loss. <laughs> um but if you look at Barnsley and the fact that they, you know, ended Sheffield Wednesday's twenty however many game unbeaten and and run last night, and very convincingly so as well, um, I thought we made them look average, for lack of a better word, on Saturday. And I think that's testament to how well we played and I I really think we've got that element of surprise at the moment where people don't really know what to make of Bloomfield. They they haven't seen him enough. They're kind of you know, we've seen it from Scott Brown's comments, from Joey Barton's comments in weeks before, where, oh, we know what to expect from Wickham. Well, yeah, you you're going on the back of how we were with Gaz and the glimpses of Bloomball are now coming in a bit more and I think, you know, it was really reassuring on Saturday despite the loss I think the only thing that we missed was that clinical edging in front of goal which we maybe had with uh with Gaz and Dobbo. um and that might be something that we need to look at in the summer is that who who do we bring in with that clinical edge and I think there's, there's definitely you know room on the bus for your Hanlon's folks if he still wants to keep on for another year they bring so much to our game but we do need uh well, obviously, every every season, Wickham goes. Wickham fans go. Oh, we need a twenty-goal strike, uh, 20 goal a twenty-goal season striker. But uh, you know, we do need someone with a with an eye for goal that's going to constantly bang them in, like your Bevins, your uh, your Jermaine Easter's when he felt like it, Tyson, Booney, That you know that that kind of player. So, um, I'm I'm reassured by Saturday. It was annoying coming away having lost a game because I think we're now four points away from. Um, Bolton and Derby, but those are the two to catch. I think there's a mini-league up the top now with Derby, not Derby, um, Sheffield Wednesday, Plymouth, Ipswich and Barnsley. I think any one of those deserves to go up based on the season that they've had. But now there's a mini-league with us, um, us, Peterborough, Derby and Bolton, so we've, we've really got to come out on top of that.
4: I think um, I was incredibly encouraged by our performance on Saturday. I think what was testament to us was that they thought they had to bring on players that clearly rested for last night such as norwood and people like that they had to bring them on to beat us hmm. they i think they they could have got away with if they, they thought they were going to turn it up and roll it over i think because of how they've been playing since we last played them uh and yeah they had to bring on the big guns to to actually get at us and also they can consider themselves lucky to not have been two 0 down at half time. We had re- two really good chances in the first half. TJ connected with that volley with the power he swung at it. Um, he had have broken the net, and there was a couple of other chances as well. That you know, we, we ruled the first half. I think they brought they brought on five five players. You know, yeah. changed half their team pretty much, and that just shows to me that they really thought they had to up their game to beat us.
0: I echo those thoughts. Um, Speaking to Michael Duff at the um, at the end of the game, he was very, very, very complimentary of Wickham and the way that they played. And he said the reason why they made the five subs um, in the second half was because he was very worried that Wickham were going to nick the uh, nick the win. And um, an interesting quote he actually said was, "At this stage of the season, where they're where was, they're in the playoffs now, Barnsley pretty much, and they're obviously trying to get into the top two. he said. At this stage of the season. I would rather lose one nil than draw nil-nil. Those mm-hmm. were his words, which shows that he didn't want to leave Adams Park with a nil-nil draw. He wanted to go for the win and he ultimately got it. And he was very complimentary of the way Wickham played. And as you said, Damien, Wickham had their chances. I think the uh, one that stood out for me was Chem Campbell. Um, oh. I think from about six yards out, he, sh- you know, I know he's a young lad, he's on loan, but he really should be getting that on target. In my opinion, the goal was at his mercy. And if that goes in, it's a, it's a completely different game. And We've got Barnsley on the back foot. So, as you guys said, there are many, many, many positive signs there. Lots of uh, lots of encouraging signs, and um, I think um, I think it'll be very naive of us to get two down after after a defeat. But it wasn't really um, a defeat to go home and go, oh, what could have been. It was a good performance, and I think it shows that Ball is very much um, it's, it's very much happening.
2: I know Adam's not here today, and he would probably uh he would probably talk about well he'd reaffirm the fact that he's not the stats guy however the there was definitely a story of the game in the stats and it is one of missed chances you know ruin those chances I mean I'm gonna run through some of these stats now there's a rare one here because we had fifty two percent possession we, we rarely uh, have more of the ball than our opponents uh, ten shots to Barnsley's seven yeah uh, you know, one shot to their two on target we'll talk about that, I'm sure twelve corners to their one corner um so uh, the stats were quite telling. It's also telling about you know how cruel football is. One thing that I do want to quickly talk about is the respect that Barnsley had for us during the game. And I, you know, coming into the game, as you mentioned, James, uh, Michael Duff uh, obviously has a relationship with Matt Bloomfield. They studied. They got their badges together, but there was nothing but mutual respect. Lots of compliments from the two. Given the fact that we've had a number of uh, instances, you know, in in recent weeks and months, where you know you mentioned Scott Brown, uh, Joey Barton, soon to not be named ever again on this podcast, hopefully, um, speaking very, you know, oh, we know what to expect from Wickham, uh, all that crap. They always end up losing. Michael Duff and Barnsley respected us. They came to Adams Park, okay? They got outplayed, but they did just enough. They out the Wickham, as some would say. And they left with the points. Highly frustrating. But do you think there is something about respecting Wickham and not just flippantly saying, oh, we know what to expect? Because those people that say that more clearly don't. I I
0: agree. I think, um, obviously, I don't know Joe Barton and uh, Scott Brown that well to to say what they like as characters, but it does come across there is this level of arrogance that when you look at Wickham, you think, oh, you know, they'll play this, and uh, we assume that. And as you said, Michael, both both those teams were on the receiving end of two two nil losses. Um some might say that as the games both those games were in midweek, um, they may not have had time to prepare, but then that's the same for Wickham. Wickham wouldn't have would have had less time to prepare. I think um respect sees respect, and the fact that Michael Duff and Matt Bloomford got a good relationship off the field actually was evidently seen on it because both Barnsley and uh Wickham were very respecting of one another, and Wickham really should have taken their chances. Um, in the Bristol Rovers game, I know it was um, a week ago, um, Rovers had their chances, but Wickham, Wickham, Wickham outdid them. And that was the case of it. And it was always a case of, um, and then that was a case of Barton trying to pin the blame at anyone else but himself. Michael Duff openly admitted to me after the game that Barnsley were not good enough and that Wickham deserved to win. Those were his own words, not mine. And I think that goes to show that Wickham are not this team that people can put down... And think, oh, you know, we'll, we'll easily turn them over because we've seen in Bloomfield's games since he's taken over that Wickham are there to be um, to be reckoned with. And you, you're not, you know, just outside the playoff places if you're playing badly.
4: The level of respect was shown also between the two clubs before the game with the tribute to Alfie. Um, mm. I think the fact that they, you know, gave him a standing ovation as well when he played for them less... For, Quite a while ago now, since he played for them, Um, and yeah, they could they could have just you know ignored it, but they actually went along with it, and I'm quite buoyed by that.
3: I read somewhere that uh, I think the games where we've had more possession this season, we haven't actually won any of them. So I don't know whether that needs a shift in tactics or what have you. We've had such an odd season this season. The fact that last year um obviously we we got such a high point score, but that was because we were beating the teams down the bottom um and we were doing that very convincingly and not beating the top six and this season we we've had a much better record against the uh the top six um albeit a loss on saturday but we're uh, we we seem to have our struggles against the uh the teams down the bottom so we we were kind of we need need to kind of really establish that consistency which at the moment is hard with with Bloomfield coming in when he has he's had his Saturday Tuesday Saturday Tuesday he's not really had time to kind of settle he needs that time um, and then that, that's where I think we'll start seeing some kind of consistency the problem is, is we need consistency right now if we're going to reach the playoffs so and with all those other teams in form I mean if we went to the playoffs now considering the two games I've seen us against Barnsley I wouldn't be as worried playing Barnsley um or Bolton or Derby. Um, I would be worried playing Ipswich or Sheffield Wednesday, however. But yeah.
0: And it's actually funny you mention that stat, um, Dan, because that stat gets thrown around in the press box. Like there's no tomorrow. And if you want to know the last time Wickham won a match where they had more possession than the opponent was over a year ago. Mm -hmm. It was the uh, one nil win against Fleetwood when Jason McCarthy scored that goal, uh, Right at dying members, that was the last time Wickham won a match where they had more possession than the opponent, so that's well over a year now, and, yeah, as you say, you know a, a potential change in tactic can do that, but it was so close on Saturday just just to say it wasn't meant to be
2: do you take? confidence from the fact that we played so well against a team like Barnsley and not for the first time this season as well I mean obviously we we talked at length last week about how wonderful that 3-0 win was, obviously it just seemed that we didn't have a few weldies in the back pocket this weekend, Um, but you know, not for the first time this season, we played really well against a side that were really a pre-season contender to return straight up to the championship. Barnsley have been that kind of perennial yo-yo side. You know, they're, they're always either at the bottom of the championship or they're pretty much in contention at the top of League One. But the the signs are encouraging. I thought we played some fantastic football on Saturday. Uh, we we looked confident. I mean that there there are still those defensive frailties, which I'm sure we're gonna is going to come into focus more uh, as we continue to progress to the end of the season. That's not seemingly gone away, but we were playing some beautiful passing football, a continuation uh, of what we were doing against Old Barton's boys uh, a couple of days nights before. But it just seemed the 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 type of football that we're playing at the moment is attractive we're creating chances we're just not putting those chances away i think there is a conversation you know about who who do we need to kind of bring into the club dan like you said we need that 20 a season kind of scorer um but no i i definitely saw a lot of positives um and i think you were absolutely right when you said you know, blooms has been it's been game midweek game game at weekend midweek game I'm very intrigued to see how we fare, given the amount of extra preparation time for Charlton.
3: I would like to go on record and say I'm not going to be a typical Wickham fan that wants 20 goal a 20-goal-a-season striker, because I know how hard that is to attain. So uh, let's, let's just go on record for that one, because I don't want to sit uh, sit like your typical Wickham supporter and say, we need to bring in your Alfie Mays and your Cole Stocktons and things like that, that probably aren't going to get 20-goals a season anyway. Um and we're going to face competitions from Wrexham's coming up and things like that anyway. So that's, that's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, the summer's going to be very interesting. Um, we, we do need to recruit well. We've got a massive clear out by the looks of it. It depends on who's going to stay on, who doesn't want to stay on. Um, We've 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 got a, a big job to do and that's that's gonna define how we are for the next few seasons. You know, there's no reason why we can't be that yo yo club that Barnsley and Rotherham are doing at the moment and Rotherham seem to be maybe sticking it um up there thanks to a few waterlogged pitches, but you know, we we really need to kind of start looking towards that. We've established ourselves now as a top six club uh in League One, which is something that we, you know, were were would only dream of a few seasons ago. Um, so we should be an attractive enough proposition to continue to chase the promotion hunters um, and be part of that. But we've we've really kind of, I think some ways we do need to get away from the little old Wickham stigma and actually start talking about the fact that we are a big player in League One. Um, we can compete.
2: Well, on on the subject of Little Wickham and thinking ahead to the future, I'm going to steer the conversation to our next point. We are going to get onto the uh, Charlton Athletic preview shortly, but I think given the fact that we, uh, for the first time in the admittedly short history of this podcast, we, we only have a single game to look back on. We've, we've done that. And uh, I mean, the, the break, as I mentioned, is something that I'm sure Blooms and his team are absolutely delighted about. Now, instead, I wanted to talk about something that's been an issue for the club for years. And it's something that we've been saying behind the scenes that we wanted to talk about and we want to discuss for a while. And that is our home attendance. Now, just over 5,000 attended the game On Saturday, that's about average for the club looking at this season, looking at previous seasons. Um, But that's considerably below average for the league. Uh, Fan attendance remains the lifeblood of the club, but it's a little disheartening to see such a comparatively low attendance considering the recent success as well as our current position in the league. Now, I'm quite certain that this is a concern of the club, just as it is ours. But I wanted to discuss what could be keeping the fans away from HP12. What initiatives can the club put in place that potentially they haven't tried already? And perhaps more crucially, more importantly, pressingly on this podcast, what could we do as fans to get more people to Adams Park?
4: I think one of the re- main reasons, I've said it for a long time, we are in a position where we are that close to London. And we lose a lot of our attendance, I think, to Premiership clubs in London. Uh, I also think that if we're looking at the average in the league, it's a little bit misleading, I think, because we've got some massive clubs who get huge attendances. (laughs) In an average League One season where there's teams around the same size as us, we're probably in the top half of the table, I'd say, but I don't think we're... where we should look at that and be too disheartened, but 5,000 is something that does need improving on.
3: You, you touched on there, uh, Damien, about the, the lure of the Premier League clubs and proximity to London, but considering the prices that the Premier League clubs are putting themselves at now, I don't think our competition is Premier League. I think our competition is potentially you've got a couple of championship clubs nearby in your Lutons and your Reddins and your Watfords. That That's probably something where you need to look towards more so. I don't think, though, that that is necessarily a problem. I think where the issue has been over the last couple of years is that we've had a massive focus on the worldwide wanderers, Wicked Wanderers phenomenon, which is, is fine because, obviously, in terms of increasing the market value of the club and things like that, making it a more attractive proposition across the world is great. Um, what we seem to have neglected to do as much as we used to do is that local marketing I think if you walk into Wickham now, you don't necessarily see um <clears throat> you know, you wouldn't know there was a league football league club in the town if if you didn't really know your football that well. Um and I think the general awareness needs to to really kind of in it the up the ante on that. And there's cheap ways of doing that as well. There's cheap and effective ways of doing that. And I've seen some discussions on Twitter over the last few uh few days where people have been saying, you know, what can we do to do that? The posters that they've just brought out for the Final mm. Four are great, but we need to be doing things like that throughout the season. Um, this isn't just something for the Final Four, because last season Final Four, we we nearly sold out every game, and that was because we were on the, the promotion trail. Um, but, you know, we've got some decent catchment areas in your Aylesbury's you know, going even down to kind of like your Hemel slow uh, your Slough, as much as we don't want to say that, um, Maidenhead, <laughs> we've got some decent catchment areas there that we should be capitalising on, getting into the schools, speaking to the schools. Um, as part of that, I've been speaking to a few of the trust, uh, trust members as well, and I think one thing that probably needs to be done before they do anything to really engage with people locally is probably a bit of a survey, and I think there's a survey between trust members, a survey with fans that go, obviously, regularly, maybe not season ticket holders, but they'll know who they are, and a survey for prospective fans. And it's a case of what do you want on an experience going going into Adams Park on the day? Because at the moment, you know, the feedback is it's no chips. <laughs> for example, simple things as simple as that, chips might make a difference. But, you you know, you, you go down, is, is the food too much? Is uh, the queue times too much? Or, you know, there's prob- obviously problems with the terrace, which we know about in terms of, you know, the atmosphere in there. Improve, you know is that a factor um the family day seem to be having some kind of effect so i i know they're doing stuff but i just feel there's there's a lot of effective and affordable ways of doing it uh without you know without breaking the bank
0: I think we were t- touching about earlier why fans don't necessarily go and watch Wickham as some other teams. I think they made a good point. You know, you've got some big teams in this league, you know, former Premier League teams. Obviously, their attendance is always going to be significantly higher than Wickham. So it can be a bit of a, a false storm when you look at those figures. I mean, I think, it's, I think it's important to remember as well, this is only the second full season since COVID that fans have um, been able to return to stadiums. I know mm-hmm. some Wickham fans who have got season tickets don't necessarily go to all the home games because they sometimes like to go to non-league grounds to support them. They got and, and I think that plays a big, big part as well because um, with the non-league teams in the area, they need support as well because without grassroots, you've got no real football league because that's how the pyramid works. So um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's directly down to the club as a whole. I think it's just down to circumstantial things as well. Um, but no, like you say, you know, the more people that talk about Wickham and the more promotion it gets, the better. And obviously the club are doing a good, are doing a, are doing a a good job in that. In regardless, we've seen with the family days that we've had recently this season. I think there was over seven thousand at the Exeter game, which is which is fantastic. I think it was the same amount for when Morecambe came to town. And you look at Exeter and Morecambe, they're on two opposite sides of the country, and yet they've been two potentially of our highest attendances this season. Obviously, playing big teams as well, like your Ipswich, Derby's, Bolton's, they always fill out the away end. Um, So I think it's one of two things. One, it's based, it's down to circumstances with individuals. But as as I think as Dan mentioned um, not too long ago, if the club are doing well, more people want to go and watch Wickham play. And we saw that at the back end of last season. I think I, I can tell you that last season against Sheffield Wednesday, which was the final home game of the league season. There were 9,005 people at Adams Park, which is just incredible. You know, it's only a few hundred off a full house. So the better the club do, more people will be heading to Adams Park.
3: Yeah, I I agree with that. And I agree with the fact that, um, you know, we've got the cost of living crisis uh, going on and everything is incredibly difficult. But and I think it's something that's touched on in Germany a hell of a lot. And you see 20 is plenty. are we pricing ourselves too much? If you look at the top tier of Frank Adams, it's it's quite pricey compared to the to the rest of the league. You know, I went to Burton the other week, and it's it's eighteen pound for me and a five or each for the kids. And you know, uh, even I, I think there was a away game where the Port Vale it was Port Vale away where the kids were free. And that's that's how we're going to get our attendances up. But even looking at looking at your members and looking at your season ticket holders and saying bring a friend for you know like twenty percent off or something like that. And how many of those friends are going to come back if you know if we're playing well? And we are on to a good thing over the last few seasons. So if we can continue with that momentum, little initiatives like that are going to draw people in. Um, you know, it was a nice touch this season that they did include um the, <clears throat> you know, if if you've got a kid's season ticket, you can bring pit someone in in their place on a midweek game because the kids can't obviously go down. Stuff like that's brilliant. We need to be doing more of that throughout the season. As I say, I'm not taking away from the job that they're doing because I can see they are making an effort, but it just needs to be consistent.
4: i touched on what you saying about uh, pricing, but we used to quit a kid years ago. Mm. That seemed to boost attendance when it was uh, done, but also on the presence in the town. I remember going into town when I was much younger and there was banners up. Across the high street, saying this is happening this week. Uh, there was a shop in town, um, so you could buy your merchandise there. And kids would walk past that, thinking, "You know, I want to, I want to get get involved with that." And I just think we just seem to have lost a bit of presence, and it's going to affect attendances. I think.
3: Yeah, it's it's a difficult one with the shop because obviously the business rates, things like that, are going up, and actually a presence in the town centre now costs us a hell of a lot more than actually, you know keep keeping out there we, we can't it, it it wouldn't be feasible for for the club to do that half term stuff bringing working a bit more with eden that's brilliant you know it got, it brought people in for the first time but there's there's things like you know looking at the hoardings at handy cross where can we get banners out there it's just it's having that constant visual there's billboards all over the bloody town you know we, we can do quite a bit it's just simple stuff simple stuff
2: I think it was mentioned earlier the the idea of just boosting the presence to remind people that there is a football club in High Wickham, yeah. because you know Adams Park is you know if you if you're in the car it's a couple of minutes but if you're on foot you wouldn't know you wouldn't know it's it's kind of out in the sticks it's it's properly on 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 the edge of the town. Um, I remember the the presence uh, in in the town centre the the shop I bought my first. Uh, kid's replica kit um, in the old shopping centre. Um, but the, the, the rates, absolutely, commercial rates are, are killing most businesses so you know that Wickham just wouldn't be able to afford that. And and also from a commercial standpoint it doesn't make sense because they've already got a fully stocked clubhouse uh, shop that they don't have to pay rent on anyway. So yeah, it, it's, it doesn't make sense to have that now. But in terms of the, the, the presence, and um, it was touched on earlier, the yeah, paint the town blue, take take a poster um, and, and stick them wherever you can. I mean, that's that's a good, easy way. I mean, all they need to pay for is, is the print costs, which I'm sure they'll hopefully get a discount on from one of their partners anyway. But do you remember when. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that remembers this, but people, businesses would come and grab those posters week in week out and put them up i mean my dad when he had a shop in chesham he would put wickham posters up in his shop in chesham and and he wasn't the only one there were loads of businesses and and that was something they wouldn't have to put that on the website they wouldn't have to put that on social media businesses just wanted that they wanted to put wickham in their shop front so it's a, it's almost like a behavioral thing how do you encourage those shop owners those business owners not just in wickham but in the surrounding areas to uh as like habit routine want those posters, want to promote Wickham. Because that is it's such a powerful way of, of getting us out there.
3: I think that starts with the trust. You've got a two thousand members there potentially who will run businesses. They'll be involved in different initiatives. They'll be working at different schools. You know, as the trust owns however much percentage of the club, whatever it is now, um, you know, the the focus should be on them to kind of do that as well. I think if the club can provide the posters give them out to the trust members and let's send it out everywhere.
2: Before we move on, the, the, the final piece of this puzzle, and it, it's been mentioned a bunch of times, the future of this club lies with the kids and uh, Damo, you mentioned it, the quitter kid. I was a quitter kid and I'm sure uh, you know we know people or we were quitter kids ourselves. Um, it's It's how you get the It's a difficult conversation to have, though, because a lot of people don't really factor in the fact that the club have significant overheads per game. It costs a lot to keep those chip machines on, even if they might not have chips in them, but it costs a lot to run them. Um, And the idea of slashing your prices so dramatically will have a, a significant negative impact on margin. I do think, though, and this is where my commercial brain clashes with my emotional center. I do have one guys is sure, Like just bring all the kids to Adams park, pack them on buses. They don't have to pay to get in. It might create a bit of a weird atmosphere where you can, you know, know, when kids cheer, it's it's a noticeable cheer. It's very different to adults chanting and cheering might make for a nicer atmosphere. I don't know, but I would rather have a seat filled with a kid that has potentially not paid anything but the chances of them coming back you're creating the memories for the children it's it's from the mascots to the people that are coming for the first time if you create that powerful first experience like i had like i know we had our first powerful experiences at adams park that creates a fan that will come back and that's what the club that's what i would be looking to do
0: i think i think with that being said i think that, that's a great point to make and i think on top of that i think it's um i think the club did do something quite similar during the february half term where they did the where they did like the meet and greet in the um eden center with uh jack grimmer and uh, gareth mccleary and and several teenagers went to um adams park that weekend i i, I there was actually um there was one there was one guy actually i, th- I can't remember his name but um, he said he was going to go to Adams Park to watch to watch a match. I think it was for the um, Bolton David. game. Was, it was David? Da- David? So I was I was actually in the reception getting my accreditation, and David came in and he said, um, "I've got money for a ticket, but it's obviously Adams Park is all um, cashless; it's all by card." So and he was getting quite worried he wasn't able to go. So I said, "Look, don't don't worry." I said, "How much is it?" Because obviously I don't have to pay to go in because I'm working. He said, "Oh, it's just like it's sixteen quid or whatever." So I just paid for his ticket and I said, no, just give me the cash. And, I said, and he was so happy, like genuinely, he couldn't, you couldn't take the smile off his face and that memory of him being at Antwerp for the first time is going to be of him forever. So those sorts of initiatives are the ones, you know, I think the club could usually use going forward because it's, it was a great success last month.
3: It was a really good success, wasn't it? I mean, it really, really positive stuff. And it's, we, we've got to do more of that. And I think it's that engagement with the schools. Um, I, I know there's so many people that I know that first got into Wickham because they had players going into the schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and you commercially minded, you don't have to go in with the kids go free or a kid's for a quid. It could be, I, I think three quid is fine. Like for three quid in the family stand, it's absolutely fine. But, you know, the pre-sonus isn't packed out and we, we've got such an opportunity there. If I know commercially from you know from that point of view if the kids are going cheap enough as a parent i'm going to go and buy them a drink i'm going to go buy them x y and z that you know where the money will go elsewhere i'll be more inclined to go spend some money in the club shop so it's a question of balance between having no one fill that seat or having someone fill that seat and potentially spending more because they're not had to spend as much on that seat and that that's with the i think that's solely with the kids i think that you can't do that with adults but with the kids, it what a difference it would make. And for the longer term benefit, as you said, Michael, that's huge.
2: It is, absolutely. And I think this is a conversation we're going to have a few more times over the course of this podcast. It, it's, a, it's an interesting talking point. I think the club are doing everything they can. The, the, the one thing that we haven't talked about is just the the difficulty to come to the ground to leave the ground the the one the one road into the ground is, is a problem i know rob has has addressed that and and their attitude is if we build it they will come and it's a healthy long-term attitude to have the club are doing everything i think we just need to make as much noise as we possibly can so uh if you're listening and you get down to adams park grab as many posters as you can and just do that thing that i think peter griffin does in family guy where he's just going Call me, call me, call me, call me. Just do that with the posters and we'll be good. Uh, we now turn our attention to this weekend's upcoming game as the Chairboys travel to South East London for another must-win against 11-placed Charlton Athletic. A late surge in form likely still won't be enough for Dean Holden's men, but they are undefeated in their last three, including an impressive 4-1 win over Derek Adams's Morecambe. For the Blues, it really is another must-win game. Recent form has allowed Bolton to fortify the final playoff position, while Peterborough, Portsmouth and Shrewsbury are providing stiff competition as the race for sixth enters its squeaky bum phase. Uh, Damo, what are your expectations? What are your hopes and fears for the game? We've looked impressive in recent weeks, as we've mentioned, but the form has been a little erratic. What do we need to do to ensure consistency? Or do you think that will come just in time?
4: I think we need to just build on what we've done so far. We've um, we've looked very impressive against most teams, possibly minus Shrewsbury, but uh, Blooms has only been in charge for a couple of days at that point. Um, I'm actually expecting us to get a positive result there uh, because i think charlton are one of those teams who if you get at them they will crumble a little bit um i'd like to see someone like volks back hopefully um whilst tj's been doing a good job i think we just need the final finisher in there and that's what we've missed against barnes last week um but fears i haven't really got any i mean taf came back last week that's a really positive thing for us. And if you can have him in there marshalling Farino, Farino has his odd, odd moments of madness. But when he's with Taff, he just seems to be that much more confident and assured with himself. And I think I, I'm genuinely, if we have Taff and Vokes in that team, added to what the performance we had last week, I'm actually very hopeful for Saturday. And I'm going for that reason, basically. I'm looking forward to it immensely.
0: Now it should be a good game it really really should be a good game. And I think Charlton are one of those teams where it, it's a it's an odd one it really really is you speak to some of the charlton fans and some of them are quite um frustrated with the situation that's going off the scene uh, off the field I should say because they are a club i mean I know they're in the championship but I know we talk about q p r being a, a club that can be a bit um a bit chaotic upstairs and I think Charlton are another club in that for speaking to. Those close to, to the club, but but on the on the field, they're one of those teams where you you just don't know what you can get with them. I mean, similar with Wickham, that had a managerial change, albeit that was a that was a um, that was a sacking for uh, for Bengana, unjustifiably so, in my opinion. But you look at their last three defeats. Yes, they're unbeaten in their last three, um, winning two, drawing one. But their last three defeats have been against Derby, Sheffield Wednesday, and Plymouth, where well, they haven't but they haven't scored. Um, So that does give Wickham some confidence going into the game, being that Wickham are in the top seven. uh, Charlton's record hasn't been the greatest against the top seven this season, albeit they did beat Plymouth at the start of the season 5-1, which I think when you look back at the end of this season, that's going to be one of the most um, eye-catching scorelines. Um, But as you said, Damien, if we get Vokes back and Tafazoli came back last week as well, those are two key 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 players in our team I, I mean once if they're fit they're starting and we we're talking about a 20 20 goal striker um Volks got 17 last season and and if you look at the injuries that wickham have had this you know I mean, wickham have been really really unfortunate i mean david Weeder was playing up front back in august mm. and then about a month later he was playing right back that that's, that's the sort of season Wickham have had. We've had so, we've had so many injuries and you look at the bench uh, for the last few games, Christy Ward's come back. Jack, Jack Young, I think has only played one league game all season, but he's been on the bench quite frequently. Jack Wakeley as well. So the injuries have severely impacted Wickham this season. I genuinely believe that if Wickham had a fully fit squad for the vast majority of the season, I, I can easily see Wickham being in the top six by now. Um, I, albeit yes, Derby looked Derby very strong. Plymouth are strong. Sheffield Wednesday so strong. But if if you're missing your best players, obviously you're not going to be as strong as what you were. But going to what Damien said, if we if we played like how we did against Barnsley against Charlton with two of our best players back in the starting lineup or even the squad, it it, it could look good for us. But this is this is League One and it is so unpredictable. I was saying this before, Morecambe, on the, uh, back in October when they were bottom of the table, what happens? They leave Adam Spark with a point, so it's uh, it's very very unpredictable to say. But as David said, two of our best players back, then there isn't to say that we can't do we can't do something at the Valley.
3: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I, I think it's going to be that they, they seem to have their problems off the field, but on the field they don't look too bad. Um, I think if they can sort themselves out. Off the field, then I think they might be one of those that you know has a good chance next season. They've just signed their manager on for another few seasons, so um, you know they they obviously seem to be having some stability on the pitch, and they've got some good uh, youthful prospects there and things like that as well. So uh, they won't be uh, they won't be easy by any means, but I think as you say, with a fully fit Taff coming back in, gives shores up the defence a bit more. um, You know. Great to have him in Ferino you know, back in back in the two. If Willis is okay as well, then having Willis in there as well is a very very solid uh, solid back line there. Um, and obviously not to negate what Jack Grimm has done over the last few weeks because he's been he's been nothing short of brilliant really. Folks um, obviously scored against Charlton last time we went there, and you know if he could. It, when when Vokes has got his scoring boots on, he's he's a force to be reckoned with, isn't he? So hopefully if he can kind of hit that form back, he's had a bit, obviously hit and miss this season with his injuries and things like that. It's not been easy, but then he's approaching, um, you know, he's 32, 33 this, this year, which, you know, we say that's old, but that's how old I am. So I'm, I'm not going to yeah. say that's old at all. <laughs> He's 34 um,
0: this year.
4: He's 34 yeah, this year. So am yeah. I. So yeah. he's a, he's a youngster to me, he's a youngster to me.
3: <laughs> it's, exactly. So, but in, you know, in football in terms, of, he's getting on a bit. So, um, you know, that 17 goals a season is great, but I, I don't think Vokes kind of brings. It, it's it's not just his goal scoring ability for me with Vokes. It's, it's bringing the wingers into play and things like that. That that's what, where I feel he's most valuable and that's where I think we need him on
2: Saturday. The absolute existential crisis that kicks in whenever people say that 33, 34-year-olds are old. it just, It's getting to that point. Uh, it's it's not good. It's not good, guys. We're going to have to just change the way we talk about football or, uh, Football players. It's eye-opening, James, that you mentioned the injuries that we've had this season. And, and massive, massive shout-out to Wheeler uh, for, for just being that absolute... Angel in our side and being able to play in any role, um, but we do still have some selection headaches, and, and the main one probably being TJ, who has been impressive in recent weeks, looked fantastic for large spells uh, against Barnsley, and there is, you know, it's there is an argument to be made that he deserves to start against Charlton. Now, if Vokes is back to full fitness, given you know. His goal scoring pedigree, you might lean to him as a as a as a more sure thing. But interested to get your thoughts on who you would start, Vokesy or TJ. Oh,
0: um, honestly, I would start with TJ personally, and the reason why I'd start with TJ is because I don't think he's done anything wrong in the games that he has started to be dropped. Um, obviously, people always, I know, I I literally said it earlier. If if Vokes is in the team, he starts, but who are you going to take out? And I think TJ has been, he's been such a bright spark. And I think a lot of play, a lot of teams don't really know much about him, which is actually a strength of ours to use. Uh, they're probably thinking, oh, who's this young Gibraltar kid Wickham are playing? And I said, well, it's TJ Debar and he's going to cause you nightmares. And um, we've seen that. We've, we've, we've seen yeah. that with his goal against Shrewsbury. His performance against Bristol Rovers, albeit it was only for an hour, was um, was brilliant. He just put himself about. And I think, the reason why he got subbed off was for that crunching tackle I think just before half time, which um, mm. was just a which which was just enthusiasm from his side. So I would I wouldn't personally drop him because if he doesn't start up top, he could also play um, as a winger. You know, he could also play. He can alternate. He could also play as a second striker. He could play on the wing. So I personally wouldn't. Um, I personally wouldn't drop him. No, I would start him over Vokes for Charlson, um, but. I'm not the manager
4: unfortunately, so <laughs> I, I wish I could choose but I can't. I would personally start TJ as well, simply because teams will set up against us. If if folks is likely to be in the team, they're set up against us now for you know, as if we're going to be playing the long balls. With TJ we don't do that. Yeah. Um if we've got Campbell and Hanlon running down the down the wings and TJ nipping in Im- Im- amongst their center backs, we're expecting a barrage up to Vokes, then it's an unexpected um, you know opportunity for us. then we can change the play later on in the game if folks is fit, bring them on if we're chasing the game or if we just need to you know tie them up a little bit. but I would definitely start TJ myself.
0: I think as well, I don't know if Vokes is 100% fit or not, so I to throw him in a game against a side who they basically haven't got much to play for uh, whilst Wickham are trying to get into the playoffs, you know, a, a win for Wickham albeit basing on results, um, go Wickham's way Wickham are one point off the playoffs if things go away by the end of Saturday night so, and after a good performance against Barnsley, you wouldn't want to change it too much so yeah, I agree with you Damien. I mean, uh, yeah
3: Agreed, you wouldn't want to change it too much obviously considering Barnsley, we did play well um, but playing devil's advocate here, why can't we have a uh, Voxie Debar up front pairing like we used to have with Bio and Kashket? You know that that seemed to work with little and little and large. Sorry for the wrong word in large there for Bio, but um, you know in, in that respect it, it does work. And not say that Volksy is. Uh, the large man himself, but he's <laughs> one of those that gets the ball down, controls the ball, holds it up, and lets lets the uh, the little whip it run onto it. That's that's maybe you know a, a nice little option there that they wouldn't be expecting.
2: Look, that's that's the Wickham way, isn't it? And and I'm all for a, a strike partnership. I think they it's it's an old school. Football sensibility, but uh, I don't know as a as a thirty three year old and now f- ancient in football parlance i'm I'm all for old school um gents, what are we going score predictions for the game at the weekend?
4: I've been awful at this so far we <laughs> started doing it, but I'm generally thinking we're going to get a two one win
0: every time I've been asking you a prediction this season, we haven't won. Only once it's happened. And that was against Bristol Rovers on Boxing Day, so I'm a bit hesitant because I don't want to be the reason why we haven't won again. So um, I'm going to go for a very conservative 1-1 draw, but deep down I think we're going to win 3-2. I
2: think
3: it'll be a tight game. I'm not going to go with my 6-0 prediction to catch us up with uh, with Barnsley. Um, Sorry, with Derby or Bolton, but uh, I probably think it'll be a 2-1
1: yeah i don't want to sound repetitive but i've i've gone with a two one win as well
2: i think that's free two ones uh i i, I think the i think charlton shouldn't be underestimated
4: mm-hmm. uh
2: never want to you can't underestimate any sides um uh, league one even even joey barton's bristol rovers you can't underestimate um it will be a tough game uh it's it's a real we're at the business end of the season and so many different things can happen but i think given our recent form I think we have it in us to to leave the valley with the points. So and 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 I say that obviously as a Wickham fan, I'm always gonna pick the blues. Um just a reminder that you can watch the Charlton game live on Wanderers TV. Uh games are being the game is being shown in all territories only at ten pounds. I believe it's ten pounds. So if you can't get to South East London on the day, go to the Wiccan Wanderers website and you can watch it on the day and you can pretend that we're one of the big, 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 big sides playing on TV, if you want to. <laughs> uh, and that will do it for this week. Thank you for joining for another episode of the Heroes of HP 12 podcast. If you've liked what you've heard, consider subscribing on Spotify, Apple or Google podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Heroes of HP 12. You can follow Dan at Dan Clark PR, Damien at Damo 1507 and James at James underscore BFP. Big shout out as well to Jack Howe for making his podcast debut. We'll be back next week for another action-packed episode. Until then, stay well and come on you blues.
1: On 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year.
2: Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk sport Powered by fans.